grateful to have our kids in service with us this morning and uh, for the last of our family Sundays of the summer. Um, we did this on the first Sunday of each month, July, August, September, and it's the final one, but we're glad to have the kids with us this Sunday. Uh, on a regular basis, we like to have our, our kids with us. In, we have them for the music part of the service so that we can be worshiping together, singing God's praise together so that your kids, if you're here with kids, can see you worshiping and get a feel for what it is to be in the larger service. And then uh, the reason we have kids' church and preschool and, and all the other different ministries to ages is because we believe at Mount Hope that everyone should hear the gospel in a way that they can understand it. Everyone should hear the message of Jesus Christ on a level and in a way that they can hear, understand, and receive. And so that's the reason we have all these different classes and different um, opportunities for ministry for children on a Sunday morning. It is not to get you out of the sanctuary. It is to get you into a place uh, where you, where it is tailored for you. It is, it is a message on your level that you can hear about the God who loves you and knows you. Uh, and I want to thank all of you in here. One of the reasons we do these family Sundays during the summer, we do just want to give a little bit of a break to those who on Sunday mornings are giving so much to our children and to the students here at Mount Hope. So thank you, thank you, thank you for those of you who are on Sunday mornings who have chosen to say, I'm going to take, I'm going to invest part of my Sunday. I'm going to invest time during the week preparing a lesson. I'm going to invest time praying for students and kids throughout the week. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the way that you minister to children. Thank you for spending time making your Sunday a little bit longer as you minister in one service and attend another service. And, and that makes a long day on a, on a day of a week that uh, I know is there for rest and recuperating for the rest of your week. So uh, thank you for all that you do in ministering to our kids uh, to everyone here that does that. We really appreciate that. But we are glad to have the kids in here. And I've got something for the kids in here. Maybe today, how many of you kids like airheads? Anyone like airheads? Yeah, I see a couple hands go up. You like airheads? All right, I'm going to give you an opportunity. No adults for airheads. It's just kids. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get an airhead at the end of the service, all right? Here's what you got to do. Uh, we have been going through 1 John together in our sanctuary on Sunday mornings with, with the adults. We have been going through the letter of 1 John, and there's something John writes in his letter, something he says five times in his letter that I'm going to say at some point during the message today. And if you can, can get that, hear that, and remember it, and come up to me after the service and tell me what that phrase is, that John says five times, come up to me right after the service, and I've got a box of airheads over on my chair over there, and I would be happy to give you an airhead. All right, deal? All right, part of the deal is, though, you can only eat it when your parents say you can eat it, okay? That's part of the deal, all right? And you got to be a kid. None of you parents, don't come up to me looking for an airhead. Earlier in the summer, I think I mentioned it in a message a couple weeks back, earlier in the summer our family had a chance to take a trip, a family trip, Wendy and the kids and I to Italy. And before we went, I thought, you know, I'd like to learn a couple phrases in Italian. I like to learn some, some of the Italian. Despite the fact that my last name ends in a vowel, I know no Italian. Uh, I heard some things growing up that I'm thinking, maybe that's Italian. I don't know. I think you might have made that up. 
But so I wanted to learn some, some Italian, some phrases. So I signed up to, you know, learn online, kind of take an online app uh, course and go as, go as I could. Uh, I got to Italy. I was there about two days before I realized their English is much better than my Italian. And I stopped trying to communicate in Italian. But I still had this subscription to learn another language. And so Wendy and I are like, we should learn, we should, you know, we should keep doing this. We got the subscription for the year. A lot of people at Mount Hope speak more than one language. We don't. Uh, we should continue to try and learn a language. So every morning when I get up, this is how the home screen of my phone greets me. Um, and in the top left corner this morning, you can see, I got a 60-day streak going, by the way. I got to get that. But every morning when I wake up, there's this little guy, I don't even know what he is, but he is telling me it is time to practice. Time to practice. Time to practice your language. Time to practice learning. Because here's what, here's what that little guy knows, and here's what I bet you know. You don't, you don't get good at something without practice. You don't get good at something. Turn to someone beside you and say, you don't get good without practice. And now say this. Turn to someone beside you and say, this morning we're going to practice. All right, we're going to practice. Now some of you are looking at me going, what is he about to do? This morning we are going to practice. Because if you want to get good at something, this is what I know. I know you've got to practice something. And so we're gonna, we've been talking about some things. This is the last Sunday on 1 John. We've been learning some things about 1 John. But now I want to have a practice. We're all going out. I don't have a whistle. I should have worn a whistle. We're going out in the field. We're going to practice. My daughter is starting a new sport this fall. She's starting field hockey. I know nothing about field hockey. Uh, but she wanted to do a fall sport. And she usually her sport's softball. And she figured, I don't know, field hockey's also got a stick and a bat, uh, but very different than softball. And so she's having to practice to learn what that sport is like. If we're going to do things, when we follow God, we have to practice. In fact, one of the things John says in his letter over and over again is practice. He says, practice righteousness. Practice living in the right way. Practice these things. And so this morning... We are going to have a practice. There's another reason why I want us to have some practice this morning. And here's it. Here's, here's what it is. Uh, I was reading an article a little while back um, about a pastor uh, who was preaching to his church. And he had a video that actually went viral of this pastor preaching. It was about a month back. And this video went viral of this pastor kind of laying into the church about treating their gatherings like a theater experience. Treating their, their, their Sunday morning gathering the same as they would treat going to a movie or going to a play. In other words, you sit in the seat and everything that matters is going on on the stage. And, and, that's what, and we kind of treat it like that. So maybe we show up late, we leave early. Just as long as I got what was going on on the stage, that was all that was important. And he kind of laid into his church and said, we're not supposed to be like that. You know, we're supposed to, just like Pastor Marvin said, church is going to start at 11, but show at 10, 1045. You know, get to know people, but we're not supposed to just treat our gathering like showing up at a movie. But at the same time, I hear what he's saying, and I heard that, and I get that. But I also have to say, as someone who has involvement in planning our Sunday morning gatherings, 
in fact, someone who's whose job is pretty much made up of planning our Sunday morning get, I would say we kind of bear some of the responsibility. I mean, those of us that are pastors and preachers and plan Sunday morning services, we've got to be honest and say some of that's on us. We, we darken the lights. We put bright lights up here. We put everyone up here. And, it, and we kind of make it look like Whatever's important is going on up here. And we have, I think, kind of played into this quite a bit at times. Uh, as much as we say church is about the gathered body of believers, as much as we say we don't want you to be a consumer, we want you to be a participant, we haven't communicated that very well in, in sometimes the things we do and the way we structure our services. So this morning, we're going to practice. We're going to have a practice, all right? And I'm going to ask you to do a couple hard things, but you can do hard things. Some of you are already bracing yourself. I can see you. You can do hard things. We had a baptism this last week, and we baptized three students. Praise the Lord for that. And that's awesome, right? Praise the Lord for that. We set up a tank out in the parking lot, filled it with water. I imagine it was chilly water. I don't know. I wasn't in there with them. It wasn't heated, so it might have been cold. Uh, but I heard a story... Someone told me of a missionary recently who, uh, there was a convert, someone who came to Jesus that lived in a place where they didn't have a church, a pastor, or anything like that, and they came to Jesus um, through kind of a distance ministry. And this missionary drove 300 miles on a motorcycle. It took him 12 hours to get there just to baptize one person for Jesus because that was like the only person in their group that knew Jesus. And this missionary was coming, hey, if you want to be baptized, I am going to, I'll get there. So we can do hard things for Jesus. Amen? amen. All right, you just amen it. Now everyone stand up. You knew, some of you knew I was going to do this. I'm going to ask you to do hard things for Jesus. I am going to ask you to switch seats and change where you are sitting and who you are sitting by. Here's your caveat. If you are physically unable, you can stay where you're at. If it is your first Sunday at Mount Hope, you can stay where you're at. Everyone else, move someplace else. Move at least three rows. Move to a different section and sit near somebody because I'm going to ask you to do something hard. I'm going to ask you to talk to people you don't know. I know. I know. It's the worst. <laughs> Find a new seat. Sit here, people. I promise you those seats work the same as the way you were sitting in them. You can figure it out. Look at you. There you go. All right. Here we go. I should have had some music playing. Doot, doot. Uh, Find a new seat. Don't let anyone sit alone because you're about to have a conversation with someone you don't know. We're going to do hard things. All right. Sit near people. Find some seats. I promise you that chair works the same as the one you were sitting in. All right. There you go. As strange as this feels for you, you have no idea how strange this is for me. Because I see you in the same seats every week in my head. And 
So it looks very different. All right. Now that you are in a new seat, a new location, and thoroughly upset at me, I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to someone near you, probably maybe in front or behind you because I'm guessing you moved with your tribe and your row came with you. So you may have to talk to someone in front or behind you to talk to maybe someone you, don't, you might not know. I want you to get, you can talk to one person, but you can be in groups of two, three, or even four if you want. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to, one, introduce yourself because you might not know each other. Tell them your name. Who you are, right? Share your name. Share the answer to this question. Did you just love or hate what I just made you do? All right. Did you love or hate it? And then here's the question I want you to discuss. Why did you come to church this morning? Why did you come to church this morning? All right. Two minutes. Find someone to have that conversation. All right, 30 more seconds, 30 more seconds. sex. I loved it. How many of you? Raise your hand. All right. That's a bigger group than I would have expected. I was surprised in the first service too. How many of you say, I hate that. Please don't ever make us do that again. Yes. Now you know where your tribe is. Find your people, right? All right. Why did you come to church this morning? Give me some of your answers. Why did you come to church this morning? To worship the Lord. What else? It was the right thing to do. All right, what else? Because you really need it. All right, what else? Community. All right, someone came to the first service. Um, no, <laughs> you're getting there, Sydney. Uh, did anyone say, I came to church this morning to love other people? Maybe somebody did. I came to church this morning to love other people. As we finish up our series on First John. I want to come back to one of John's main topics and his main pleas. 
and that is this. In fact, John says it five times in his letter. In this short little letter of five chapters, five times John uses this phrase, love one another. Love one another. And so this morning, we're going to practice that. Turn to someone beside you say, we're going to practice. All right, so we're all, that was our first practice drill. That was our first practice drill. John says love one another. And here's the thing. The first step in loving one another is knowing one another. You're going to know each other. You can't love someone if you don't know them. And we can't love each other in the church if we don't at least take the initial step to get to know one another. And so spending some time to say, hey, let me get your name. Oh, first Sunday of the month, we wear name tags. You don't even have to ask me my name. We wear name tags so that we can get to know one another a little bit better. And our first step, so hopefully, as much as you might be hated that exercise, if you hated it, you get the point. The first step, knowing one another, is loving one another. And so take a moment to, you know, take some time to do that. When you come to church on Sunday morning, let me encourage you. Just look for someone, let's look, look for someone who you may not know. Don't let anyone sit alone. Let's not let anyone sit alone at Mount Hope. You know, unless someone, you go sit by them and they're like, get away from me. Right, okay, all right. <laughs> we'll pray for that person. But unless they do that, like, do you, know where, do you know where visitors sit at Mount Hope? Do you know where new people sit at Mount Hope? Do you know where they sit? Do you know where they sit? I can promise you, you know where they sit? I can tell you with 100% certainty where they sit. They sit where no one else is sitting. They sit in an open seat. They sit where no regular person sits because the seat's open. And so if we're going to love one another, get to know one another, go sit near someone else. Go sit, go sit by someone, get to know somebody, move out of our comfort zone. In order to love one another, we need to know one another. You ought to practice loving one another because God practiced loving you. This is one of John's main points. One of his main points is this, that the reason the church of Jesus Christ, the reason followers of Jesus are to love each other is because God loved us. God practiced loving you through his son, Jesus Christ. Many people know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. But 1 John 3.16 is another important verse. 1 John 3.16 says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. And again, if we were to pause there, the way I would finish the sentence and the way many of you would finish the sentence is now we give up our life for him. But the way John finishes the sentence, the way the Bible finishes the sentence is so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Because Jesus gave up his life for you, he expects you as his followers to live your life in such a way that you would be giving up your life for each other, that you would be sacrificing and serving each other. Well, what does that look like? Well, John had a very concrete picture of what that looked like in his mind. Jesus taught us to practice loving one another. John had a very concrete picture in his mind because John was a disciple of Jesus. He was a follower of Jesus. Before he wrote this letter, he spent time with Jesus. And he was there on a night just before Jesus was about to go to the cross and be crucified. And he was in a very small group of people 
where Jesus came into a room and saw a bunch of his followers with dirty feet. Dirty, dusty feet. And they had dirty feet for two reasons. One, because they lived in a location where they wore sandals and it was very dusty and their feet got dirty. Two, because there wasn't a household servant present who would normally perform the function of washing feet. So they stood there with dirty feet. And then Jesus comes in and he takes a basin of water and a towel and he starts washing the feet of each of his disciples. Every one of them. He did the work of a servant. And then when he was done with that, he said, a new commandment I give you. And what was the new commandment? The new commandment was this, love one another. In fact, he says, as I have just served you, you're supposed to serve each other. As I have just washed your dirty feet and you were not willing to do it for each other, this is the way you're supposed to love each other. In fact, and I looked it up and I read it again this week just to make sure I didn't have it wrong, Jesus washed Judas' feet. He was still there. He hadn't left the room yet. The one who had just betrayed him for a bag of money and would complete the betrayal within a matter of hours... Jesus knelt down and washed his feet. And he said, this is the way you're supposed to love each other. And so John, when he is writing, has a very concrete picture in his mind of what it means to love one another. And he says, as the church, this is it. So you walk in here, and I, I see some good-looking kicks and shoes, and you got socks on. I don't think, I, I don't see anybody here who probably needs their feet washed because you've been walking around dusty Middle Eastern streets. But I know there's people sitting in these seats that have needs. I know we come in here and there are opportunities to serve each other. And that's what Jesus was saying. It wasn't about washing feet particularly. It was about serving one another in general. It was about seeing each other as brothers and sisters, as a family, and loving each other in a very deep and a very real way. The good news is, is not only does God call you to do that, not only does Jesus model for you to do that, but God also gives you the strength to do that. The strength to practice loving one another comes from God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another. That's one of the five times that John says love one another. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So not only does God call you to love, but he actually supplies what you need to love. And so there are times where you'll be like, God, I, I, I want to see people the way you see them. Maybe it's hard for you to love. Maybe, it's, maybe there's things in your past that keep you from reaching out or that keep you from, from, from putting yourself out there and serving and helping someone. You pray and ask God, God, would you give me the power? Would you give me the strength? Would you be my supply? Would you help me to see people the way you would have me to see them? Would you help me to love people the way you would love them? Because God promised not only... That, that, uh, that he would be our example, he would also supply what we need to love one another. 
And so today we're going to practice loving one another. So drill number two. Here's drill number two. We've got some, we got some uh, special people in the room. We've got some special people in the room. We've got some people who started school last week or are starting school this week. How many people in here, you started school last week? We got a few? Few? How many are starting this week? We got some here. How many of you are teachers who started school last week or starting this week? We got a few teachers, homeschool teachers, professors. It's an important time of year for us. I mean, there's big moments for parents and students. Maybe you're a parent who has a child going to school for the first time, or uh, maybe you're a student you're, that's starting a new school. You're going to a new classroom. You're hoping to make some new friends. Um, you're, you're a parent who's entrusting six hours of your child's day to someone else. You're entrusting their care. I mean, it's a big moment. So here's what I want to do. I want those of you who are students and teachers, I want to take some time to pray for you. Because one of the ways we can love one another is we can pray for one another. Not only knowing each other, we can pray for each other. And I'd like to pray for those who are students who are going back to school, preschool, elementary school, middle school, high school, college. And those who are teaching, those who are walking into a classroom, or you're a homeschool teacher, or you are a professor at a university, I want to pray for you. I want us to pray for you as well. So if you are in that, I'm going to ask you to do hard things for Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand up. If you are in that category and you are a student who has gone back to school, who is going back to school, would you just stand up where you are and stand up? If you are a teacher and you're in that category, would you stand up where you are? And here's some things that we can pray for our students and our teachers. Students, we can pray strength for the work, that they would come to know God more this year, that God would help them with what is hard, bless them, show the love of Jesus, that they would know the truth and hold on to it. They would practice righteousness and caring for others and living lives of integrity. For teachers, we can pray patience and endurance. And that's just dealing with parents. But they also need creativity and love and insight, wisdom, that they would be able to show the love of Jesus, practice righteousness, and live a life of integrity. So the rest of you, I want you to look around and see people who are standing. And then I want you to gather in groups around someone who's standing. And I want us to pray for students and teachers. I want us to love one another by praying for students and teachers. So once I have everybody stand, it's, it's going to get diluted, right? So I'm going to ask you if you are standing, raise your hand until someone is praying with you. Raise your hand. Just stay standing. Then everyone else get up. Find someone who's raising their hand. Pray with them. Gather someone around. Gather around. You don't all have to pray out loud. Maybe one person, maybe two people will pray out loud. But then others would just pray silently for those people. So pray for our students, okay?
worship together. I want to invite you to pray with me together as we close of our time together right now. When I was a student, just like most of you here, when I was a student in Singapore, I studied in a Methodist school, and in that school, walls were covered with Bible passages, verses, just reminding me and my friends what it means to be a follower, what it means to be a student as a Christian. And I want to just share a few verses to my fellow students, teachers, and even parents. And so first, I want to direct my attention to the students. And that in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that includes the teachers as well. The Lord is with you wherever you go. And in Proverbs chapter 22, this is for the teachers and for the parents, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And lastly, this is for all of us. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And that's my charge to, my, to our students, and to our teachers, to our parents, and to all of us as a church. So will you join me in prayer as we close this session out? Will you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this time as we dedicate our prayers to our teachers, to our students, and to our parents as we come into a new year once again, a year full of surprises in the classroom, surprises in a school setting, Lord, that wherever we are, that you will be with us, learning, growing, and loving one another. That this is not just the, the only time we get to do this, but every single week, every single day, classroom, Lord, will you use the gifts of our teachers, will you steward the skills of our students, and will you give wisdom to the parents as they come before a new year with you, to know that they can trust in you, that they can depend on you, Lord. And so in all these things, God, may we be reminded of who you are every single day. We are not, there's, not, there's nothing too old or too young for us that we cannot comprehend from you. So Lord, will you meet us right where we want to be, where, where you want us to be? Will you meet us there as the year starts so that we can experience the love that you have for us that is so great that none of us can even comprehend. So we give this time to you. We give this new year to you. We just surrender anything that happens, whatever it happens in the classroom, whatever the students learn, whatever the teachers are going to teach, whatever the parents are going to experience, conversing with their kids. Be with them, God, in this new year. In your most heavenly name we pray. Amen. 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 Our last practice this morning will be the practice of communion. So as we close out our service this morning, if follower of Jesus Christ, one of the things that Jesus asked his followers to do is to remember him. One of the ways he instructs us to do that is by 
remembering him with the bread and the cup, and we'll do that this morning. If you need a communion cup, just raise your hand, and one of our ushers will bring one to you. I recognize we've got young kids in here, and, and for young kids, we, got, we have a class in the spring that we do to help kids understand what it is to celebrate communion and to do that together. But really, just as James said earlier, we come alongside parents, guardians, grandparents, and it's really up to you when you know your children are ready and understand what it is to be a follower of Jesus and ready to partake as a part of the body of Christ by celebrating communion. So we ultimately, that's ultimately up to you as their parent and uh, the one who leads them in that. Uh, but anyone this morning, as, as you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we take this cup, this piece of bread to remember Jesus. And so I'll ask you to open up the side over the little piece of bread. As you take out that little piece of bread, remember the body of Christ given for us. We remember that the reason that we can love one another, the reason that God gives us this command is because he did it first. He laid down his life for us. He loved us in that way. And so we remember him this morning. So where we have this little piece of bread in our hands, and it's so small, but it's just a reminder it's a reminder of who you are, that this is your body, that, that we remember that you gave your body for us, that you loved us and not holding anything back. And so we receive this, remembering our Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. So we do it in Jesus' name. turn that little chalice over to the juice side and pull that cellophane back over the juice. Oftentimes when we come to the cup, we'll take time, and it's right, to take time to remember that it's only the blood of Jesus Christ that is able to give forgiveness of our sins. So we take time to repent and remember and take a moment to confess there's anything in our life between us and God that's not right, that we would ask and receive forgiveness. But this morning as we do that, I don't want to just do that as an individual, but if we're talking about loving one another, then I also want to recognize that there are times where we don't get it right. There are times where we have fallen short of loving one another, not just loving one another well, loving one another the way God has called us to love one don't always get, can we acknowledge the fact that we aspire to follow God in this command and we often fall short in doing it to one another the way that God would call us to. And so as we come to the cup and remember our sins that need forgiving and cleansing, would we also remember that we have sometimes sinned against one another by not loving one another the way that we should and the way that God calls us to. And let's take a moment before we partake of the cup to remember that, to confess that, and then to receive the Lord's forgiveness in those areas. Lord, in laying down your life, you created a body and a family of brothers and sisters 
following you and you have used that familial language but we often don't treat each other love each other the way that we ought to and so Lord we ask forgiveness in those places we have fallen short times that we knew we should have taken action or maybe prayed a prayer and we didn't times where we saw someone in need and we weren't sure what to do so we did nothing Lord, forgive us. Forgive us and show us and help us and strengthen us to live the lives in light of what you have done towards one another that you've called us to. Lord, we pray that we will do it for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, we do that as we remember that and receive that forgiveness as we receive this cup together. In Jesus' name. turn to someone near you and say, God loves you and so do I. We are to love one another. Here's the final thing. You kids, when you're going back to school, and I know you don't want to hear about this before you even start your first day, but you're going to get graded. How does God grade us on loving one another? I don't know. I know how he's not going to grade us, though. He is not going to ask you to grade someone else. He's not going to ask you to grade. So he's not going to say, how did your brothers and sisters do in loving you? That one's not going to be on the test. We can be tempted to focus on how we are being loved, loved or not being loved. God instructs us to focus on how we are doing at loving others. And remember that God loved us in a way no one else possibly could. He's going to say, and he'd have every right to say to us, especially in light of you being here this morning and hearing this message, how did you do at loving your brothers and sisters? How did you do at loving those in the church? Because that is the new commandment that I gave you. And so let's sing this song. Would you stand together and remember the love that God has called us to have? Because we practice loving one another because God practiced loving us.